Wanna whisper in your ear that you're, that you're good enough I wanna change the way you see you, you're strong enough Say them not know that you got more than meets the eyes And them not see you making stride after stride So in this episode, we are going to hash something out that is so huge in many of us. And especially as we are living in a society where we like for things to look really good now. Society has always desired for things to look good. But now that most of us are on display on social media, we are on display sharing our worlds with the world. Um, This is something that's huge. And it hits on a lot of us. Now, I want to give you this warning now. Some of the things that I am going to share, it's going to feel kind of uncomfortable. It may push on some of your pain points, some of those areas that feel really uncomfortable for you, some of the injuries that you've had that you didn't even know were there underlying. But and all in all, we are going to get through it. We're going to we're going to work through this together. OK, so, of course, as you know, the title said it. I am talking about perfectionism. Now, I'm going to give you my working definition of perfectionism. And and when I got this working definition, when this just popped up in my heart, like it literally choked me <laughs> like I was just like like, wait a minute. So you may feel that. Um, and even as I talk about it now, like I, I kind of feel it. I, I'm feeling it. It's just like, oh boy, here we go. But you know, what is so important is that we are able to talk about some of the hard things so that we can get through those hard things. The hard things should not be placed on a shelf so far away that we cannot reach them and pull them down and really start to talk about them. When when we set the hard things aside and we don't talk about those hard things, um, we are really fooling ourselves. You know, we're literally fooling ourselves into believing that we're okay when we're really not. And when it comes to perfectionism, when you start to see these things uh, popping up in your life, It's because we're not okay. And you know what? It's okay to not be okay. But when it comes to perfectionism, it everybody has to be okay. Everything has to be okay. Everything has to look a certain way. Now, a lot of us have tendencies of perfectionism, and we have called those tendencies self-consciousness, right? You walk into a room, you feel so uncomfortable because. I'm self-conscious. Well, self-consciousness is all about our image. It's about how we look in front of other people. It is about trying to tend to or uh, trying to control at times how other people see us. And perfectionism is pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Not only in perfectionism, are we trying to control how other people see us? But in perfectionism, we're also trying to control how we see ourselves. So let's dig into it. I hope you have pen and paper ready or you've got your notes on your phone ready. I have my notes here because 
as I started to write out my notes for this podcast, normally I'll sit and I'll just kind of share and just talk. Um, but I needed to write these things down because there are certain points that I want, I really wanted to hit, you know, and I didn't want to forget about those points. So I hope you're ready. I have my pen in my and my notebook here. I hope you have yours ready. Okay. The working definition of perfectionism. Perfectionism is the wound of rejection. Just let that sink in for a moment. Perfectionism is the wound of rejection. Yeah. When I want the world to see me as perfect and I want to see myself as perfect, that normally comes from a wound of rejection, right? So let's dig into it even more. Now, this type of uh, a wound, it doesn't always have to be firsthand, okay? Perfectionism or the wound of rejection um, sometimes is not even your own issue to start with. A lot of times perfectionism is passed down as an inheritance from parents, from grandparents, people that have been around us, people that have modeled their own image keeping in front of us. We've watched them. And now we have inherited that image keeping job, <laughs> right? I started thinking about perfectionism kind of being like, um, you know, a family winery where, you know, the wine ages and as it passes down through generations, it gets more intense, right? The flavors, they get more intense. And in a negative light, perfectionism is the same way. As it gets passed down from generation to generation, it just gets richer. <laughs> it just gets deeper. It is a deep wound of rejection. A lot of times when we, you know, are younger and we have things going on in our lives and no one sees us, right? No one sees the real us. The, no one understands the real us. This happens a lot of times when someone is overweight as a child and, you know, they lose weight after many years. They get in their 20s, they lose weight. They come back to that high school reunion so everybody can see how they look. And oh, you look good. oh, my God, you lost so much weight. It looks so amazing. But that wound of rejection a lot of times that took place when they were the overweight child being bullied. That wound of rejection is still there if they have not dealt with it. If we don't deal with those wounds of rejection, then life starts to teeter towards image keeping. And so now I've lost weight. Um, you know, I'm here at my high school reunion. Everyone thinks I'm amazing. But internally, their accolades, their validation still isn't enough because the wound is often so deep. There are times 
um, where we get rejected for our weight. We get rejected for the color of our skin. Yeah. The, the, the shade of our skin, whether I am light skin or I'm dark skin, whether I'm white or whether I'm black, we get rejected for how we look. We get rejected for how we talk, whether I have a speech impediment or whether I'm from the South and I'm living in the North and I sound different from everyone else. We get wounds of rejection. I talk a certain way, you know, I remember uh, preaching a certain way. And, and at times when I would preach a certain way, people would at times, like there were different times where people would come and pick on how I preach. This is how you preach. And you shouldn't talk like that. And you shouldn't sound like that. Th those were times where I was being rejected for just being me, right? And so there are times when you have been rejected for just being you. There are times where your parents, your grandparents have been rejected for just being them, which oftentimes causes them to be hard on you. And so now they're hard on you because of what they had to deal with. And now we're tending to an image and you're not going to embarrass me in this store. When I take you in this store, if you embarrass me in this store, it's going to be, it is, it is your life. You understand why? Because I have an image to keep. Some of us who grew up with pastors for parents, my God, listen, don't you dare embarrass me in this church. Do you remember the, the pinch, <laughs> the pinch, not even just pastors. You, you've got people who were just, you know, in church, lay members in church. Don't you dare embarrass me in this place or I will take you out of here and I am going to wring your neck. Why? Because I have an image to keep. And if you are not in line with that image, first, the first wound is a wound of rejection. And then I'm going to spank your behind. <laughs> So now we got wound on top of, of wound. So much stuff going on because I've got an image to keep. And so we have generational and we call these things generational curses. But a lot of times it's not just a generational curse. It literally is a generational pathology, a pathway, a way of thinking, generational mindsets that we pass down that get stronger and stronger and stronger as we go. And so we'll think, oh, this person has a generational curse of addiction. No, they don't have a generational curse of addiction. They have a generational pathology of trying to cope with ish that should have been dealt with. Yeah. So we have all of these things that are going on in our lives, and we're trying to make sure that the image is good. And when we are tending to the image of ourselves in front of other people and the image of us to ourselves, we dive deep into that wound. Oh, it is so deep. I just want you to take a deep breath <laughs> because I know what this feels like. It's like just talking about it is so like, it's pressing. I can feel it. 
I can feel that you need to take a deep breath. And I can feel that you need relief from perfectionism. Everything has to look good. Everything has to sound good. And by God, as a Christian person who names the name of Christ, do not be mad at people. Because when you are mad at people, you're not being like Christ and you are not holding up the image (laughs) that we need to have as Christians, right? Have you ever been told that? Have you ever felt that feeling, (laughs) right? Where perfectionism is so important, everything has to be just right. And we fight so hard to make sure that everything is so perfect that we, or I will say, we fight so hard to make sure that everything looks so perfect that we are not really doing what we need to do to just make things good. As long as they look perfect, we're okay. Everybody's injured. Everybody has trauma. Everybody's dogged out. Everybody's tired, exhausted emotionally. No one has any emotional intelligence, but it looks good. So we keep on going. Everybody's in pain. Everybody wants to scream at the top of their lungs. Yeah. You ever see families like this? There's there's just tension. And the tension cannot be addressed. Why? Because if we address this tension, it's going to take us off of our game and we're not going to look right in front of people. Yeah. We have a lot of people who are just silent about who they truly are. They want to share with the world, this is who I really am, but I've got to be silent about who I really am, first of all, because I don't know what that looks like. And second of all, it, it, I, I don't know what other people are going to think. Yeah. All of your life, you thought, oh my goodness, I am just you know, the best singer, right? (laughs) And then you start to find out that other singers sing the same way. You got to work on your skills. And that is, that, that's a pain. It's an inner pain. When you believe something about yourself and you find out as you go, that it's not really fully true according to everyone in the world. Oh, that's a pain. But if you try to uphold the image, like you've got everything together, that's that perfectionism will kick in and try to make it seem like everything is everything. So our self-esteem, when we are having self um, image issues and when we are having self-conscious issues, like I'm so self-conscious that it makes me anxious to be in this room with all of these people because I don't know what everyone is thinking. And I really want everyone to think that I'm a nice person. So I put on this dumb smile every time someone looks at me, even if they really don't catch eyes with me, I'm not sure. I just put on a dumb smile to make sure everyone thinks that I'm nice. Oh, man. (laughs) 
right? I gotta, I gotta make sure that I tend to my image in front of other people. Oh my goodness. That brings up a a memory for me. I remember, like, I always wanted to make sure that, um, that I greet people that I, I mean, as, as a pastor for so many years, that's what you, you have to greet everybody in that space. And we had have 17 acres of land here in South Florida. So you've got 17 acres of land crawling with people. Everybody wants to be greeted by the pastor, right? So you're kissing babies, waving, hugging people, loving on people, you know, having parking lot prophecies that people want to give you. You're having moments where people just want your ear because they want to have a counseling session right there before church starts. And all of this is happening. And doing that for so many years, I remember that it was like, it it was like a, a, (laughs) a mechanism within me that when someone is within five feet of me, they're going to get a smile and a hi, how are you doing? (laughs) Right. Even on days that I don't feel like it, it's like five, five feet in front of me. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? Right. And there was this time where I was with someone and they were in the school office. So I was waiting for them to come out of the school office. And I was sitting in the car and a cop was driving by, right? So the cop drives by and he's got his windows up. It's black. I can't see in the car, but he's within those five feet. And so immediately as he drives by, hi, you know, I wave and I give this smile. Like, how you doing? This nod, you know, because I need him to know that I'm a nice person. And the crazy thing is, is the person I was waiting on, they were in the office. When they came out of the office, they said, girl, what did you do? I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? What did I do? They said, well, the cop radioed in and said, there's this lady sitting out in the car and she just looks weird. Like she doesn't look like she's in her right mind. And I, I just, that just tore up my little self image. I was like, oh my God. To the world, I'm trying to make sure that everybody thinks that I'm a nice, I need you to know I'm a nice person, you know, working on that self-image, wanting everyone to see. And, and it didn't even look that way to everyone all the time. And so there are times where you're not going to be able to manage how other people receive you, how other people see you, what they think your makeup looks like, what they think your hair looks like. You can't always manage that. You can have the most expensive outfit on, but that doesn't mean everyone's going to like it. You can have the biggest education on the planet, But that doesn't mean that everyone is going to come to you for therapy. Perfectionism is the wound of rejection. Now, I have tried myself to work on perfectionism and not say hi to every person. Oh, my God. When people walk by and I don't say hi and my insides are just like, oh, okay, it's okay. It's okay that you did not say hi to that person. They are not a church member. You are not their pastor. You are fine. Just relax yourself. You're going to make it, right? 
But there are days where I just have to not do that. But to really get to the wound of rejection is not about changing your um, behavior. You know, it's not about modifying behavior. When we're dealing with uh, the wound of perfectionism, we have to go to the root, right? And that root is there. And it's, it's there in your heart. Yeah. When perfectionism is given to you as God's view of how you should be, you know, remember WWJD, what would Jesus do? Woohoo! Right? Like, I don't know. You know why? Because Jesus was living in a different time, in a different culture than mine. So I have to figure out what would I do because perfectionism uh, (laughs) or putting putting, um, religious mindsets on top of perfectionism, that will just, it, it could just kill you. It'll kill you, right? So perfectionism is the wound of rejection. It's not just other people rejecting you, but what happens is the voice of those who have rejected you their voices get inside of you. And when the voice of the people or the person, when that voice, those voices are in you, how do you get away from that? How do you walk away from it? Even when people are not looking, you still feel like they are looking. Why? Because the voice of rejection has now become a part of your own view of yourself. How do I get away? How how can I run away from a voice that's in my heart? How can I run away from the voice of uh, you know, a parent rejecting me or uh neglecting me or pushing me aside as if I'm not important? That rejection gets into my heart and so I don't want to be a bother, a burden. I don't even want to be seen in certain spaces. I don't want to be heard even when I'm given opportunity to speak. Why? Because a caregiver rejected me, pushed me aside, made me feel like I'm not worthy, or they themselves felt like they weren't worthy and they modeled that shame in front of me. Perfectionism screams to be right about everything. It can get so, so, so deep. Oh, we might have to talk about this another time and just add to this. But this is just like an introductory level of perfectionism and how we uh, how we express that in our lives, how it happens, how it looks in our lives. Now, how we get rid of it. Hmm, I think we might need to talk about that going into the next episode. But yeah, how do we start to dig into the wound, right? The wound of perfectionism, especially when it's been there for so many years, when it is it when it's a transgenerational wound. Ooh. It's deep. It becomes the family way. How do we deal with that? That's a good question. We'll talk about that some more as we get into our next episode. But 
I want you to just take a breath. Take in a deep breath, blow it out. And for the next seven days, until our next episode comes up, I want you to be kind to yourself. (laughs) Be kind to yourself. Take your journal. And I just want you to, in a day, pay attention to those moments that you see perfectionism in yourself. Take, take, take notes. Start to observe your own behavior and see where you get anxious because you're trying to make sure that you look right. Where you get anxious because you're trying to make sure that you are right. I got to be right about everything. This I have to live right. I got to do right. If this ain't right, it's not right. Then it's not right. And that, that's a killer. It causes so much anxiety. So I want you to just get your journal. I want you to just kind of observe yourself. Pay attention. Pay attention to those, um, those, uh, tendencies of perfectionism in yourself. You may see it in your children. You may see it in your spouse, the people around you. I just want you to kind of focus on what it looks like. Familiarize yourself with what perfectionism looks like in you. And if it's in you, nine times out of 10, you have given it at least to one of your children, if not all, right? Pay attention to what it looks like. Pay attention to when you are tending to your image in front of other people and when you are having uh, just cognitive dissonance because I, I'm trying, I want to be right. I want everything to be right. I want to be right with God. I got to be righteous, which doesn't come through perfectionism anyway. But that is another episode. So we're going to get into that. Listen, if you need to talk, some of these things need to be talked out with a professional. I am here. I am a therapeutic coach and counselor here to talk with you, talk you through some of your perfectionism issues. Sometimes it's a wound that's so deep that we got to dig deep down. That's the counselor side of me. And then the moving forward and making progress in life and making plans, that's the coach side of me. So I want you to take some time, think about it. Go to iqueenup.com. Check on, book a session or work with LaShawn and you and I can sit together and we can really work these things out. Like, let's get this out of your system. Don't just look good. I want you to be good. Until next time, I love you so much. I want you to do well and I want you to be whole. Yeah? All right. We'll talk next time. Love is the type of violence that you sometimes cannot see. It drips constantly. Love cannot help but to drive fear from its roots in you. You are loved. You are loved. But you don't need anybody's validation. You got your own.